Welcome to My Property World, a light and informative look at all things property. We have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the UK market. However, we do take examples from all around the property world. Our aim is for us to make money from property together. Whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, My Property World is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile. Hello and welcome to another episode of My Property World. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Daniel Torres. Great to have you on, Daniel. Hi, thanks for inviting me. So uh, Daniel is, is probably best known uh, in the property world for being one of the organisers of uh, SAS London. Uh, a, a, it's, a, I suppose, a, a network where SAS investors can get together and um, and discover how they can get their pensions uh working a bit, bit further and uh, take a little bit more control over how that works. Now, Daniel, um, you might just give the listeners a quick flavour of what you're up to at the moment and uh, how they might get hold of you. Yeah, sure. Um, Facebook seems to be really popular. Um, I've probably never spent so much time in my life on it as I do at the moment. Um, but I'm on Facebook. I run the SAS London page and also my own page, um, which can be found, Daniel Torres. Brilliant. And for, for those of uh, the, the listeners that aren't familiar with SAS as a concept, uh, what, what is it? So SAS is a small self-administered scheme. It's ultimately a pension scheme for self-employed people. Um, I came across it a few years ago because I'm an estate planner by trade. So wills, trusts, uh, inheritance tax mitigation, powers of attorney. And I just found it a really, really uh, interesting um, interesting product, really, vehicle, um, because it is inheritance tax savvy. And um, if you are uh, clued up enough to run one yourself, um, then it, it can be an amazing tool. Brilliant. And, and I'd highly recommend getting along to one of the local events if you uh, think that the government's not due a bonus from your, uh, your uh, I, I suppose, uh, profits uh, in the next year or two. So, um, that, Daniel, let, let, let's go back a, a step. So, uh, what was Daniel Torres doing age four? Where, where was he? Uh, what, what was life like? I'm presuming you weren't planning on being a estate planner age four. <laughs> no, I uh, I have to check in with myself every so often, actually, you know, talking about wills and trusts and pensions. Um, I've actually got a really creative side to me. Um, I get a lot of pleasure from uh, music and, and art and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, age four, can't quite remember. I would say my earliest memory was, was about eight and uh, my dad, maybe it was seven, and my dad came home one uh, really sunny day. Uh, with a motorbike um, for me and um, 
we discussed it. Me and my dad had, had discussed uh, motorsport, and we'd gone to some uh, rallies when they were in Sutton Coalfield Park, the, the the World Rally Championship. But never thought I'd be lucky enough to get a motorbike. So he comes home with it, and um, and that was it. Really, I was bitten by the bug, um, and obviously made a lot of friends overnight. <laughs> I was the most popular kid on the estate. So. Um, that was my my earlier years into teens. I was just obsessed with that bike and cleaning it. And it was a trials bike for anybody that remembers Kickstart on TV. I'm 43, so uh, anybody of my generation will remember that program. Um, and where where were you? Um, where were you as a child? What what uh, location were were you growing up around? So I was actually born in Leeds. All my mom's side of the family's from Leeds. Uh, so Leeds is a place that's really close to my heart. And I went, uh, I went up there. We uh, we moved to a place called Litchfield. Uh, some people know of it. Um, it's in Staffordshire. Probably will explain my dulcet tones. Uh, people think I'm from Birmingham, but I'm not. So I grew up in Litchfield and then moved to London in 2005 and then went back up to the Midlands to set up a business and came back to London in 2015. Very good. And and so uh, talk us through uh, the, the, the 10 years. You're um, turning into a bit of a petrol head on the side. Uh, were you going to school as well? Yeah, um, I was always interested in uh, more adult conversations. I used to listen to my mom and dad. We, they, they opened a hair salon uh, when I was when I was really young. Um, and I was always interested in watching my dad doing the books on a Saturday morning. I remember him sat at the kitchen table and tapping away on the calculator. So I did go to school, but I never really relished, it, it, you know, going. I uh, didn't really like the school that I'd chosen um, for myself. Um, so I did. I, I went, but under duress. I'd have never skipped school, but um, I can't say I really loved school. It wasn't a... You know, I just couldn't wait to get home, really, or be sat around listening to my parents talking about business. Uh, and it's really interesting because you're you're one of the more curious people that I've I've met. You, you've obviously got a great interest in uh, in the motorsport, in addition to um, all, all sorts of other things, but uh, that wasn't sparked academically. Um, no, I I I. I I don't know. It sounds ridiculous to say. I used to find school like quite immature. The things we were listening about at school and being taught, I just, and I'm sure lots of other people think like this, but I just was like, when am I going to use this in life? You know, I was surrounded by my, my parents, friends. I was uh, always the, the, the kid at the dinner parties that would be popping up and ear wigging. And all my dad's friends had businesses and uh, my dad worked for quite a big company um Christian Dior and then Cooks uh Crooks sorry healthcare and uh watching the launch of Neurofen um when he worked when he worked for them and it was just all really exciting to me and then I'd I'd go to school the next day or the next week after a weekend of of being at the salon and and learning about business and I'd go to school and just be like why am I learning about the Spanish Armada or you know, why, why are we doing this in class? Um, you know, it's a well-rounded education system, I'm sure, but it, it, I, I was probably a bit too big for my boots, if I'm honest, a bit too cocky. 
um, and just didn't really see the point of, of most of the lessons that I went to. Very good. And and then uh, talk us through the uh, the Litchfield to London, uh, back to the Midlands and back again. So um, I was working for um, for a big company uh, with a big, I don't know, the 24 million when I started with them in my early 20s. And after a couple of years of being with them, I was their number one guy um, in sales. And um, the MD rang me up and said, look, London really needs um, somebody strong on it. I've been watching your progress that progress the last six to 12 months. Um, will you get, will you move to London? So they, they, you know, I gave an immediate yes. I knew London slightly. Um, I'd been coming down with family and my uncle lived down here and um, I'd always been intrigued with London. Um, and I just said, yes. So I did a couple of years um, working for that company. They got bought out by Unilever. And um, I, it, it really coincidentally at the time, um, a sort of a friend from the Midlands, at the same time that Unilever were buying out the company, said, um, do you want to set up a business? But that meant that I had to move back up to the Midlands because I just had to be there. And um, I did. I moved back up. Excuse me. And I said to him, I'll come back up. I'll start the business. It's a great opportunity. I was 26 by then. I said, but I want to get back down to London. And he agreed. He loved London as well. So um, that's what that was. Right. F fantastic. And, and so uh, what, what's happened since then? What? Sorry? What's happened since then? Um, <clears throat> I came back down here in 2015 and I was doing uh, some consultancy. I'd grown that business to a nearly million pound turnover um, just off the back of a 15,000 pound loan. Um, and, and we'd gone up to 30 staff and I exited the business. Um, you know, 26 was quite a young time to go into business with a with your pal. He was sort of a friend. And uh, I think we just grew. And I don't know about anybody else, but I got to 30, 31 and, and I was just getting frustrated. Um, just felt like I wanted more. So we parted ways. I did some consultancy and thought the best place to be really for my because um, I'm, you know, always intrigued with with city pace, I just thought I've been in Birmingham for so long now, so many years, nothing was new, nothing was interesting me. And I just kept coming down to London all the time. I thought I'm moving back down. So I bit the bullet, I moved down and um, and had a career change. Right, and, and what was the, uh, what, what was the, the move? Well, I, um, at the time had a friend who was doing estate planning, working for a, for a company. And he'd been talking to me about it for a few years, actually, probably about two years on and off. He was a friend from Newcastle that I saw maybe three or four times a year. And I'd always thought boring, wills, death, powers of attorney. Um, had it not been for talking to him in depth over several beers and him telling me, no, it looks boring on the outside, but really this is the sort of stuff we do. And also realised it was a great opportunity um, to help people. I'd never really had any help or guidance in the business. And I thought this sort of information that he's telling me about, the public needs to know about it. You know, inheritance tax, you work hard all your life, you pay your taxes, you make some money on your main residence and then hey ho, 
um, if you're not careful or you don't structure it right, they take you know more more from you, and, and the rest is is left to the to the kids or your beneficiaries. So it just really got me interested. Um, he set me up an interview. I got the job, um, and um, basically uh, rewound my my lifestyle. You know, I had to take a, a salary cut. Um, I had to go back to the classroom, which I was dreading. And um, yeah, just 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 learned the craft, and then you know, over a couple of years, just got better and better. And and that was around twenty fifteen. So. Uh, and just for the, the benefit of listeners who, who haven't been through an estate planning process, what what, uh, what what are the sort of key elements of it and and why would someone do it? Well, the first thing I say to anybody, no matter how old you are, because most, most people wait until they uh, start feeling old before they sort it out. If you have children, you need a will because God forbid anything happens to both the parents. Those children need to be placed somewhere and they will look for the will because the will will have guardians in it. So as soon as you have children, I believe you should be informed to get a will and get the guardians in it. Um, it's a funny industry because not many people want to talk about death and I, I totally get that. And the baby boomers are a little bit superstitious. So they think if they talk about it or write a will, uh, it's, it's going to trigger something and they'll pop their clogs within a week. But um you need a will you, you work all of your life and you save and you go without for your children which i hear all the time but then don't have a piece of paper that says you know this is what i want to happen and common sense would say well of course it goes to the kids but if your kids are married then it goes to your children and then through marital law you know you you your, your children's partners are, uh, can get hold of it um you've got the care act so um, if one, you know, Mr. or Mrs., you know, if Mr. passes away, most men die before women, um, but more women go into care. There's a, probably a joke in there somewhere to, to lighten the conversation. But, you know, Mr. dies, hands all his wealth to, to, to Mrs. And then she needs care, uh, an average of 50, I think they say it's 50,000 a year. I, I find that really difficult to believe. Um. And then, yeah, they've got Mr. and Mrs. Wealth now um, on the financial assessment. So um, then, you know, you can end up losing, you know, Mr.'s wealth when he didn't need care. There's so many different scenarios to protect against. And um, one of the most common ones is, is sideways disinheritance. And what that means is let's go with Mr. passing away or, 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 or Mrs. She passes away, hands her half of the estate that she wanted for the children to him, men is something like 66% more chance of uh, remarrying on, um, on their wife's passing. So now he's married into uh, a new relationship and if he dies, he'll end up with a lot of that wealth, if not all of it. So by not writing a will or addressing it, it's as bad as saying, oh, well, I won't insure my car will get breakdown cover because if I do, I'm gonna have a crash. And, and we pay for so many insurances, but then don't want to pay to write a will. And it's it's crazy. Uh, inheritance tax is a big one. Inheritance tax hasn't gone up in donkey's years, but yet the price of property has. So again, um, by having a will, you get an extra tax break um, of 350,000 on top of the 650 that you've got. 
So then you're at a million um, on the main residence. Um, you know, that 350, 40% tax, that's worth 140,000 for your children. Um, there's just nobody in the country that's saying that wouldn't want to save their kids 140,000 pounds in a tax bill. So yeah, lots and lots of good reasons to sit down with somebody. And if it's cheap or free, trust me, you get what you pay for. So, um, you know, you see the free adverts. Yes, you do, you know, cancer research and all these charities do great jobs and they will write you a will for free if you donate to them. Um, but ultimately you're doing it over the phone. My recommendation is to, to get in front of somebody, um, sit down and talk about what your plans are and what you'd like to happen and, uh, and structure it correctly and, and, and put some trust in the will. And, and is it ever too early or too late to, to do this? Well, um, unfortunately, recently I did a bedside will for a 43-year-old guy who'd been given days to, to live. That's not a nice experience for anybody, but he did pass away within a week. And I felt really chuffed that I'd alleviated a massive, massive burden for his mum and his sister. Um, it's never too early. Um, even if you don't own much, you just don't know what's around the corner. Um, you've got to look at it as a, as a document that's going to talk on your behalf when you're not around. Is it ever too late? No, just try not leave it until the very last minute um, because you know, it's not a quick and easy job. Uh, it can be quite smooth if you get the right person doing it, um, but it's not something you want to be doing on your on your deathbed or when you when you're really old. Get it done, put it in a in, in a safe or in a lockbox, and um, and you know it's done done then, and your wishes will be carried out. And also save save yourself a lot of time and heartache for your children. It's not always your will. I know it is your will and, and you write it, your, your testament. You've got to think how much weight you're alleviating on your children when you pass away or your beneficiaries. You know, it's a document for them just as much as it is for you. Mm -hmm. And you often hear stories about when these things um, aren't handled particularly well. What about the stories when it is? Well... I did one about a year or so ago for a really wealthy guy in my world. And just by reading his old will, um, that wasn't bad, uh, no professional should be writing a bad will, but just by addressing his executor that he'd named. And again, you will, you know, your solicitor will do you a much cheaper will, but they will put, the, they may put themselves in as an executor. At that, at the rate that the solicitor was charging for executor services on that day, because he rang the solicitors, that was going to be a hundred and seventy odd thousand pound bill. So just by rewriting it with me, we instantly saved in that hundred and seventy odd thousand for his beneficiaries. So getting a professional to look over an old will, or write you a new one and tell you where the pitfalls are, is really really invaluable really invaluable so you know new phones new cars yeah lifestyle is important but just really think about what have i got in place and am i totally covered mm -hmm. so so the career change has obviously um worked out uh well now your um your we got up to about 2015 uh there's a bit happened in between 2015 to now yeah 
I've been honing my skills and 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 learning as much as possible on estate planning. And then on my travels, and I did join uh, the infamous BNI, Business Network Institution, you know, great for anybody starting a new business. So basically, I, I left left my workplace because the hours were long and evening appointments, the other side of the country and other things and, and, and uh, time restrictions as well. So I was like, I want to do this for myself. I've always enjoyed being my own boss. And I love the creative side of business as well. Um, so I left, I started my own company, which is called Right Wills, uh, W-R-I-G-H-T, as in the surname, Wills. And, um, and, and, and that, was, that was created. Um, and then I've been growing that. On my travels of growing it and doing some work for different people, I got introduced to a guy that was in the SaaS world. And uh, I'd never heard of SaaS before, wish I'd heard of it in my earlier days. I uh, wish my accountant had told me about it. Um, you know, a pension scheme for self-employed people where you don't have to wait until retirement to, to use your own cash uh, in, in, a, in a controlled and, and mature way and legal way, of course. So I started learning more about SaaS and, uh, and before you knew it, I'd been sucked in and I'd got the bug. I had a couple of properties myself that I'd bought in my uh, early 20s um and started learning about different ways um that property can work um so yeah it's it's an amazing vehicle i've got drawn into it really i mean i don't need it for my job per se because i'm I'm not a pensions advisor i'm not an ifa i'm an estate planner so if i do come across self-employed people or anybody in property i do mention it to them but it's sort of like a, a another life that i've got that just blends beautifully with the estate planning. So after a, a couple of years of going to different SAS events around the country, standing up and talking about estate planning, somebody said jokingly, hey, Dan, there's, there's not one of these events in London. You live there. You'd be good at it. Um, I never really saw myself as an event organiser, if I'm honest. Um, I thought about it. Um, something else happened that was very coincidental with a venue, uh, a pub in London, and it, it just felt the right thing to do, you know, and something just happens. And then the next day something else happens and you think, you know, uh, is this meant to be? So I put my first event on February 2022. And uh, honestly, it's been uh, an amazing 12 months. I've, I've met some such interesting and clever people. I feel so lucky. I feel like I've I've grown a whole new group of friends. Uh, and you're getting uh, great reviews. Uh, I, I took twelve months or, or eleven months to uh, actually <laughs> uh, get along and uh, coordinate the diary, and it's well worth it if um, if you have any interest in, in SAS but are wanting to know more. Um, you, you've changed venues now, um, so I, I hadn't experienced the uh, the previous one. So. Um, your, you picked a Mayfield location, um, and <clears throat> and it, it's quite a discreet private sort of space. But you managed to pack it out. Um, how did you go about selecting that? Um, again, another sliding doors moment. Really, um, I loved the pub. I, I, I'm a big I'm a big pub fan anyway. Old buildings. Uh, supporting food and beverage. I've, I've been a, a secret hobby DJ for over 20 years. 
Um, so when I'm not wearing wearing a suit or running a business, I, I, I relax basically by DJing. So I've, I've got a fondness for the food and beverage uh, industry. Um, it's done me, it's served me well over 20 odd years. And I wanted to keep the, the, the SAS events in that pub basement. It was a little bit wonky. The low was, the ceiling was low. There was a drip. <laughs> the staff had to come and get ice out of the basement uh, back room. And I just liked that it was a little bit of a quirky event that I was putting on. All the others around the UK are in hotels, Magnolia, uh, Walls. And it's just not very me. I thought if I'm going to run an event, um, I want to run it the way the way that I want to do it. But I had to have a chat with myself. We got to the end of last year and I'd just outgrown it. You just, you know, you couldn't get more than 40 people, 45 people in there without it being seriously hot and a little bit sweaty. Um, I also wanted to get more females to the event. I think women do some amazing thing in property and business and have some great views and um, balance it balances it all out because it's a very male dominated world. And um, that venue just wasn't very female friendly at all. And I, I totally understood that. My friend, um, friend of a friend is the operations director for Riva Blue uh, Italian restaurants, used to be uh, Gino's and also uh, Piccolino, and they own Bank in Birmingham and a few other chains. Uh, so again, chance meeting, talking to my friend over a beer, his, uh, his ops director friend turned up. He said, I've got, you know, a great event in London. And, and I just said, yeah, and I'm looking to, to, I'm looking for somewhere new. And he went, right, okay, well, I can help you in Leeds, London and Birmingham. So I was like, fantastic. And yeah, our first one in January last month, uh, absolute, absolute sellout, 60 people, 60 people, private bar, uh, really great atmosphere. And um, I felt proud as punch. Yeah, I, I was there, standing room only, um, and, and it, was, it was great fun. So in um, terms of um, uh, other things on the boil, uh, you, uh, you, you mentioned... Um, you mentioned you were launching into some other, uh, I suppose, uh, product ranges or, or, or services that are, are available. Do you want to briefly share those um, uh, for the listeners' benefit? Yeah, sure. So London got really popular really quick. And we. Um, I always wanted a mature crowd in there. When I say mature, I don't mean in age. I mean in, in seriousness about property. And I know there's lots of different things to go to about property. I was actually really shocked. There's hundreds of them across the UK. I do feel you get a lot of tire kickers, a lot of people that don't realize how difficult property can be, but they see it as the answer um, to, to probably their financial situation at the time. I desperately wanted to attract um, developers, investors, people that did this you know, full time and they weren't just going to another property event to see what they could do. By doing that, I ended up with some really smart people in the room and they were tapping me on the shoulder over different months saying, uh, there's a bit of a calling for this, Dan. And, you know, I've, I've, I've just lost some finance on a deal that was going through or I'm looking for a developer. And as the event organiser, you, you, you get to, to hear it all, really. 
So I'd be like, look, they're trustworthy. I've known them for a while and I'd, I'd connect people. And then um, a friend of mine, Gareth Alexander, has, has turned into a bit of a business partner. I say bit, <laughs> business partner. Um, leads uh, SAS Group, who, who uh, it was a great group, great group of people. But the guy organising it had fallen out of love with it a little bit and, and the numbers had dropped off. So Gareth took that over and then just, just chats between Gareth and I on the phone constantly. And our, our wives and girlfriends, I think, th thought there was something going on. Um, so um, then I said, well, look, we've got the second biggest city in the country that I know inside and out, Birmingham. And I've got a massive passion for the Northeast. A couple of friends up there. And I'd gone up there and done a talk at uh, Paul Millions, the property uh, thing, um, and his Northeast TDN, the developers network. And I, I love Paul. He introduced me to a guy that's an estate agent up there. And again, another sliding doors moment where I just thought, look, the, the, the response from the people is brilliant. Um, they're a friendly bunch up there. I love everybody from the Northeast. Um, and so uh, we're launching SAS Durham. And what happens when you have these groups, 30, 40, 50 people turning up, you end up coming into contact with a couple of hundred people a month. And people in property have needs. They need to be connected. They need services. Um, they can't always do an evening club. So I launched a lunch club for networking. So they can't always do the evenings. Um, I mean, Will, it, you know, it, like you say, you had to align your diaries and, 11 months later, you, you came to SAS London. It's, it's not easy, is it, in the evening? So I launched um, a, a lunch club for networking. And then Gareth and I were talking and Gareth was getting a, a request because he has a SAS, he has a property portfolio. He's very business-minded and people wanted um, to, to take on board some of the stuff he was saying at the event. So he's decided to run an educational course there um so yeah the business has, has naturally grown and other venues and other events have just come along at the right time i haven't forced any of it i haven't really pushed for anything i've just listened to what people want or need and then tried to facilitate it and i love problem solving as well so you know the lunch club was great for me because people were saying I can't get to you, Dan. You know, I have family commitments in the evening, but I see the pictures on Facebook. I desperately want to come. So, you know, let's let's make it so that these people can attend a networking event. So let's put on a lunch club. Um, we're launching Piro, P-I-R-O, which is short for Pitch Room. So if you imagine a cross between Dragon's Den and Tinder, Gareth hates me using that analogy, but that's exactly what it is. You're a developer. Uh, you need funding um, and if you're um, a SAS trustee, you have to remember this is your pension. You have to look after it. But people obviously like using it for, for property uh, to invest. Um, but who do you trust? You know, Dave, the developer that you met at the networking event last month. I don't know, do you? So I started getting phone calls of people asking me, uh, you know, for credibility checks on different people and how well I knew them and had I been to their projects, had I seen them and had they paid the last guy back and so on and so forth. So where I had been to their sites and where I had heard that the money had been paid back and done my own due diligence on these people, I then did start recommending a few people. 
um you know not 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 in a financial rewarding way just if you ring me up and ask me are these people good people and i think they are then i'll i'll support that if if i don't know then i'll be honest with you so transparency is really key and um yeah so so piro is is uh, is launching and again you know somebody coming to the event chap called charlie charlie uh, tar um, he owns a company called Stacked, uh, which I thought was an amazing bit of kit online to put all your property projects in there. Um, and, and a bit of background, it's, it's like your property CV really online. Um, so then um, he started uh, working alongside Gareth and I to tweak that platform to make it uh, um, SaaS friendly, uh, developer friendly. So yeah, lots of exciting things have, have been happening and, 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 and a lot more to come actually in 2023. Well, that, that, that's fantastic. Now, uh, just once again, uh, the best way to get hold of you, Daniel? So um, I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook under Daniel Torres. I'm going to start pushing my LinkedIn much more. It is very estate planner heavy, um, but I have been getting approached on there by developers um, and SaaS people, SaaS trustees. Um, so LinkedIn, if you're on LinkedIn, and Facebook, if you're on Facebook, you can find me very easily. Well, fantastic. Well, uh, hopefully uh, we'll meet you as a listener along at the uh, SaaS London or perhaps one of the ones around the country at some stage. So Daniel Torres, um, this is My Property World. I'm Will Mallard. Thanks again. Thank you. Welcome to My Property World, a light and informative look at all things property. We have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the UK market. However, we do take examples from all around the property world. Our aim is for us to make money from property together. Whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, My Property World is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile.